either something you're interested in or not, I guess. And many people just want to train and are like, yeah, fuck the politics behind it. True on, on the one hand, but on the other hand, it's also an important topic that will influence how parkour will look like years from now. And it might influence you as an individual as well. Hi, Louis here. This week on Swapping Shoes, I had the pleasure to speak with my good friend Kevin Hortzen, a parkour fanatic and movement freak. The Dutch giant is a few centimeters below two meters while still a fluid, smooth mover. We talked about a wide range of subjects, from doing parkour being tall and heavy, to changing habits like drinking or smoking. I hope you enjoy this one. This is Swapping Shoes with Kevin Hortzen. Welcome to Swapping Shoes. Hey, thanks for having me, bro. No worries. How are you doing? I'm good. It's nice to have someone with a very nice, low, deep voice here. Because, you know, maybe some people like to listen to Swapping Shoes before they fall asleep. And I know that low voices are very relaxing. <laughs> I'm probably not the first one. <laughs> yeah, but maybe the lowest, the deepest voice so far. All right. How's life going? It's going good, actually. I can't complain. Like, um, work is fine. Parkour is going great. Um, yeah, social life is really, really on a good level, everything, I, I think, right now. So I'm How happy. Old are you? How old are you? I'm turning 26 in August. Nice. And uh, when, when did you start practicing parkour? Um, so I started back in 2007 but half of the time I didn't train because of injuries or because of lack of motivation that was also due to injuries. So yeah, literally half of the time I was not training, but I started back in 2007 in uh, Bulgaria in the summer where I was staying at my grandparents. Ah, okay. Yeah. You have a, so I didn't start in the Netherlands. I so I, I'm from the Netherlands, uh, as you know, but I'm also half Bulgarian and I started to train there. With because who did you guys. start training? Sorry? Who were the, the Bulgarian guys you started to train with? Are they still none active? Of them, no, none of them train anymore. It was oh. really like, uh, like, it was in a neighborhood, all flats, you know, people gather outside, 20, <laughs> 30, 40 people, and uh, some were just practicing it. Like, and I joined, I was like, okay, this is cool. Before I started with parkour, I did uh, BMXing and uh, skating so I was already like into those kinds of uh, adrenaline sports um, but the people didn't really train in a technical way they just started to really with roof jumps with uh, like with, yeah with drops roof jumps that kind of stuff and only a few years later they started to really practice on the technique so it was a, a big difference when I came to the Netherlands and I noticed people here also train that people are really into like, okay, we have to work on our technique and yeah. Yeah. I remember that too. which, which of course is way better. Like, yeah, also, of course. But when, when, when we started, wise. we didn't have a lot of finesse in jumping. It was, yeah. it was not about doing the things right. It was about doing things more or less. Right. I think so. But for me, it was even worse, man. My technique was so off. Like <laughs> it was, it was horrible. And a lot, a lot more difficult for someone who is uh, 195. How, were you already very tall in 2007 or you were still uh, growing up? No, in 2007, I was 11. I was maybe a bit, <laughs> bit more, uh, yeah, not, not really that tall. But taller when than the average 11 uh, years old. My age. Yeah, so it, really in puberty, I hit the growth, uh, growth period. <laughs> And then when I was 18 and I had so many back injuries, I couldn't even go to physical education at school. Like I wasn't even going there anymore because my back hurt so much back in the days that I just went, uh, went on to train gym, start with gym. So I got heavier <laughs> and kind of the technique was still there. So then I started to train being quite heavy, which mm -hmm. was interesting because in the way of moving, you really have to find your new way of moving it. Yeah. Because yeah. back back when I was, I'm now now nine uh, one ninety three. Mm -hmm. 
uh, back when I was 18, I think I was already around that height, but I was 75 kilos. So now oh, I weigh nice and light. Yeah. Now I weigh 95. So it's <laughs> way different, but I think I found my way of moving in a way. It's like, of course it's easier if you're lightweight. I still think that's better. I think I would be better at parkour if I were lighter, but I like my, my style right now. And also how it looks on clips, like kind of yeah. heavyweight. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. It's always more impressive. I heard that, for example, Cirque du Soleil, um, uh, of course, that most part of the gymnasts in the roads, they are uh, shorter or circus artists and stuff like that. But Cirque du Soleil, they, they like to find um, tall acrobats because it looks way more impressive. And I think so, too. There's more space. There's more um, object in the air flying around. <laughs> so I think yeah. it's cool. Yeah, for sure. Also in, in Commit Free Run, uh, a few years ago when he was still active, Rob, the guy is two, two meters almost. He started mm -hmm. to train a gym at some point as well. It was like also quite heavy, but he was like this cork guy. Like his corks were so clean and it looked so sick when he did a cork. Like this huge guy doing a fucking clean cork. It yeah. Was, it's different than when you see a 60 kilo guy do a cork. Like, yeah. I, w I would, it's, it's a lot easier. I don't, I don't want to take the credits out of the short guys out there, but it's a lot easier to be good in acrobatics when you're shorter. I would say, I would even like risk to say that the average height for the uh, Red Bull Art of Motion winner is a lot <laughs> lower than, than the, the average uh, human male uh, height. Like, yeah, and Asha, the average weight as well, I think. Pasha, very key. And it's even like Ed Scott, for example. Um, who else? Didi. Um, mm -hmm. Who else? One act of Bart. Yeah. Bart. <laughs> yeah. Also quite light, I think. Corey De Myers also. So mm -hmm. I think it's a, it's a thing. Uh, yeah, and we talked about this before, like uh, in real life, we had those convos about being a heavyweight in parkour. It has not been proven yet that that's a better solution long term to progress than being light and just train parkour like to implement a gym program and training into parkour um it's really debatable whether that's whether that has positive results on your parkour training yeah that's uh, i people personally already don't studies. do gym for uh, for parkour reasons mm -hmm. although i do squats and deadlifts which is also contributing to my leg strength but um, the way Callum, for example, trains, I think it developed some leg strength for sure and some jumping power, but I don't know if he would be a worse athlete if he didn't do that and just focused on doing parkour while being 10 kilos lighter, for example. Yeah. I think there are some people already doing studies about it, and I'm quite sure that it has its benefits, even more if it's, like, if it's a strength training. Uh, I, I, this is my opinion of a person uh, sorry. not academical. The but the strength training definitely has benefits. Yeah. But if it really um, translates into weight gaining as well. Yeah, yeah. Then I then I'm not sure. Yeah, exactly. But I think the hypertrophy, I think it cannot be that good because I uh, think so too. The lighter you are with strength, the best, the better it is, I guess. And I think mm -hmm. it's very uh, noticeable that the very high level parkour guys, uh, they are not actually strength training or anything. They're usually like light, skinny. Um, yeah, I think so too. People who just train parkour every day and then they become, they get this strength by training parkour. Yeah, for sure. It's also had... a different way of training your legs. For example, guys with super explosive legs, generally their legs are not big. Like in terms yeah. of hypertrophy, it's not developed. But they are, they have a certain kind of you yeah of using their muscles in their legs that contributes to their jumping power yeah i am right now uh very hungry because i'm trying to cut on like three or four kilos like average mm -hmm. the fluctuation like three or four kilos lower because um last year i started to put on weight and I still haven't lost everything I put back and I feel the difference. Of course, it's also related to the age mm -hmm. um, um, because I think that from 30 to 31, 
there's a way bigger impact on aging than 25 to 26. Uh, yeah, I think so too. But I really I can, can imagine can see the the difference of uh, training last year when I was lighter and training right now that I'm a bit heavier. But, yeah. yeah, I also try to experiment with losing and gaining weight a bit. I've been 100 kilos, but I've also been like 88. Mm-hmm. And I've definitely felt difference when I was 88, a different way of moving, more lightweight. Like if you take a dumbbell of 12 kilos and imagine that to be your added weight <laughs> that you have to move with, like it's a lot. Yeah. Especially if you want to do uh, like tricks or flips, it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, and it's a lot of extra kilos. So I think about maybe going down to 92, 93, mm-hmm. lose a, as well like a, a kilo of or a three, four, and see whether that will be uh, better. And are your back injuries all healed now? Uh, so back in the days, the doctors also really didn't know what was going on. It was probably a combination of taking a lot of impact with, uh, with yeah with my puberty like getting uh getting big in like a period of two three years Mm -hmm. while still training and having a lot of impact and i think weightlifting and uh gaining some lower back muscles and core muscles and leg muscles also helped with those injuries so when i train now on a daily basis i mean i don't train on a daily basis but from uh on a day of training I don't really feel like I have a lot of back pain, which I'm mm-hmm. super grateful about because when I was 18, I thought it was done. Like I would never do parkour again and they recommend, recommended me to not do so. Yeah. Uh, but now it feels, feels good actually. And I think I can still progress a lot. Yeah, shouldn't listen to the doctors. They don't know what they're talking about. No, I'm just joking, guys. Please check your <laughs> doctors, really. If it's, it's a thing on parkour. Actually, they're sometimes also guessing, you know, like it could be this and... <laughs> To protect a bit the client, they, yeah. they, they would say like, hey, quit this stuff. But Yeah, it's a little bit really of estimation to, too. They yeah, have like hundreds sure. of people every day going there and they, they don't treat, like usually, they don't usually treat each um, episode as a singular one. Everything is some sort of estimation based on uh estimative based on on the average situation that happened and statistics and stuff like that. it makes sense too but i feel like sometimes you need a little bit of a more personal investigation mm. so they don't destroy someone's lives like <laughs> like you cannot train parkour anymore but maybe yeah i was i was really not not trying to do it anymore like really listening to them but then i started coaching as well and during coaching, I also did some small things in between, you know. And after all, I thought, hey, my body feels quite quite okay, actually. Just let me train, like, maybe once a week, once in two weeks again, and see how that goes. And it went pretty well. And I'm really happy that I can still train. Because nice. people that know me personally, they know when I was 18, it was like, I felt like it was done. Mm, yeah, that's and cool. many people who I started training with, they all quit due to uh, other types of injuries either knee or back pain so it's it's all also like how far do you want to take this yeah i also don't want to take so much impact that i'm having a lot of issues on my 35th or on my 40th so i'm also trying to find a balance between progress and not getting injured too much or not taking too much impact you uh you you now what do you do for a living tell uh, our listeners what is your job shortly um, you don't have to explain everything like you explained me <laughs> this week um so yeah for the last years i studied and besides my studies i worked as a parkour coach mm-hmm. uh, for commit free run commit zero four zero in eindhoven netherlands and uh now I work as a business consultant, so mm-hmm. like an, as an advisor, project management um, for businesses. And have you ever thought about doing parkour for a living or? No, I, I thought when I was young, I wasn't skilled enough. I wasn't really talented. So uh, I just found it fun to do. And the progress I've made was due to hard work, I think, mm-hmm. not due to uh, 
really being talented enough to reach a pro level. So yeah, but you could also to, do parkour for to, living together not, with not those injuries. Athlete. I thought like, no, I'm not gonna go uh, fully in this because I don't know how my body will feel after two, three, four years. You know, so that that was a risk I wasn't willing to take. Also because of the lack of money in the industry, if you really want to have a decent income, like in a stable way, you have to be on a certain skill level, which I think I wasn't at and I'm not at. So Yeah, but there, there are a lot of people and I feel like the, one of the most successful cases in parkour are not with the like highest skill level people. Yeah, maybe It's just you're people right. who put on, put on work. So you have yeah, uh, like lots of coaches and you, mm -hmm. for you to be a great coach, you don't have to be a great athlete as we learned in the last episode. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, you could be, I don't know, a model, parkour model like there is or a stunt guy or any, and so many different ways. No. True, but I think intrinsically you need that motivation or that passion, that spark that really uh, makes you feel like that's the path you want to go on. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really have that in terms of parkour. Like, I want to be this guy in the community that after 10 years from now is still actively training, like engaging with others. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, who knows, contributing to the international community in whatever way. Mm -hmm. But not on a parkour pro level, like earning money with uh, yeah, with, par with parkour kind of jobs. Yeah, I think it's nice to actually, if you separate your passion, your hobby, something you really enjoy doing from your job, you really give the chance to fully enjoy the, the passion and your hobby and, and you can contribute in different ways, right? Also, doesn't... I think so too, yeah. And there's also a lot of pressure if you do it in a professional way like for example people who do parkour shows there's a lot of stress and pressure like you don't want to get injured or you lose a lot of income or you don't know what will happen in a financial way if you break your ankle or have some severe knee of back problems like yeah um yeah that's a risk you could take if you're really passionate about it if you're really mm -hmm. passionate about making a living out of parkour but luckily i've feel like I had also other things going on in my life besides parkour. Yeah. Uh, so I always chose to go for the combination, I guess. Like besides my studies, it was really nice uh, working as a parkour coach. But mm -hmm. I don't, I wouldn't do that anymore. Like I've done that for seven years and it's, it's, it was good, good for me. Yeah. It's just something that uh, I feel like it's very good for a lot of parkour people to know uh, who listens to this. It's also very doable and it's very um, delightful to have a normal life and have a parkour life in the meantime because sometimes you're so immersed in the parkour life that you forget to live your other, uh, like your normal life, your mm -hmm. muggle life in a way. Yeah. Um, and it, it can be a little bit of pressure, right? If only thing, the only thing you have in your life is parkour, all your friends are parkour friends, all you talk about is parkour all the time. Mm. What if out of nowhere you stop having motivation or you have an injury <clears throat> or for any reason God decides that you cannot uh, do parkour anymore? When I say God, I mean universe, okay? I don't mean yeah. the, the invisible man up in the sky. <laughs> so then you, you cannot train parkour anymore. What? what would you do, you know? So I feel like it's, it's something that uh, I, I always put this in my, in my life, like this questioning, what if I can't do parkour anymore? What will I do? Yeah. Uh, and you, you went on and you did university and two master's degree, right? <laughs> yes. So what did you study? Uh, my bachelor's was uh, business administration. Uh, my first master's was in philosophy and my second master's was in business ethics. So um, I chose to go into the more the social side of businesses in terms of my master's and uh, really, really, to really think about business and uh, their responsibilities in another way than just making money in a way. So, but I'm, not, I'm still figuring out what I want to do with that. For now, I told you like I was in Lisbon uh, last week. Like I want to gain some experience, learn a lot, and a few years from now I will have a better understanding of which direction I want to go into, I think. But there's something related with parkour or not really? But 
could be could be that's not that's not the plan at the moment but who knows like if i feel like there's a nice idea emerging or something i really want to con contribute to yeah. like who nice. knows maybe uh, you're maybe. very uh, connected with the uh, commit free run you're part of the team actually or not so much anymore yeah I, i still am i just don't coach there anymore but i'm i'm still part of the team i'm cool with all those guys I, like they're sick i think it's a team with people all with their own unique style own way of moving um and all people who are like so passionate passionate about it and about the movement about the culture which i really i feel like it's unique in the Netherlands to have like a team of i think it's around 10 10 people maybe a bit more right now of people who are really into it really into the culture the street vibes because you know we've talked about this a lot um right now the culture is changing in a way people are more like getting into gyms and that kind of stuff and commit is still really street based and you can see that on the competitions yeah. and the events they organized with like on the spot and I'm really, uh, yeah, I really respect all those guys in the yeah. team. Like yeah, it's crazy because the Netherlands has this really uh, special role in the global parkour community. Yeah, for the law of movement, you have big names. You had the Jumpfree Run, who is now sold out to Fig. <laughs> for, for a while, for a while, we all know it. Um, uh, but the street scene has turned shy for for quite a while and I would calculate, I would uh, guess that it has a lot to do with the weather obviously and because of the weather a lot of people go training in gyms and gyms are very important there um, and also there's a lot of competition and it is a place that is very like uh, business oriented not only... Yeah, there's a lot of... Um, yeah there's an economy revolving around those parkour gyms, you know, so people are also motivated to go into that kind of direction just to make a living out of parkour. And that's nice. But, that's cool. Yeah, which I really respect. And if you want to do that, it's cool. Like I personally have trained a lot in uh, in the Comet gym. I, I love it to train some tricks, but I personally am not the kind of guy who likes to train in gyms a lot. So I always chose to train yeah. in the street, like for 80, 90% of the time. Um, I just want the newer generation, the young people, to make sure that they get a good uh, understanding of what parkour is and what it is about, and it's a urban street-based culture. And yeah, but it's it's gonna be changing, right? This culture is changing too. It, it is. Is it hard? Yeah. It's it's hard to to kind of let go <laughs> a little bit um, to understand that the new generations are always going to be changing what parkour is and they're going to leave it in a di very different way. But the, here's the point, and because the gym plus this com competitive culture uh, is going to speed up the, the vanishment, the vanishing of uh, the street culture vibe and the going outside and train. And I mm -hmm. feel like Commit Run is trying to do a good job with it and uh, by, by doing, for example, on the spot, which is this uh, out, outdoor competition. And because you guys are still out there in the Netherlands, but you still go out and you train and you have people coming from everywhere. And you have now Bart and Sibe making vlogs, training outside. So. Yeah, everybody is doing their thing, to be honest. Like, uh, there are some guys more into organizing events. Some are more really into the coaching. Others, like Sibe and Bart, are more course on a professional level because they're yeah they're on a different level <laughs> than than me for example of course so it's nice to see everybody is uh yeah choosing their own direction what they want to do and trying to establish a future for themselves while doing that yeah, yeah it's cool yeah they're gonna be building this future is about to come. yeah i also don't know what the future of parkour in the netherlands of commit free on will look like five or ten years from now but i think we have like a stable basis like mm -hmm. with a good good vision in terms of what parkour is what it should be and uh, a lot of people who are knowledgeable about the topic and the culture so that's yeah there's also that's like very important i think monkey motion is also they, they are opening lots of gyms and uh -huh. jump free run is 
fully expanded into 12 gyms, I think they have now. <laughs> In Can't tell. Uh, I'm not sure. They I'm have, not sure, they but they have, they have a lot. Gyms. They have a lot. Yeah. A lot of gyms. Um, yeah. And it, I, every time I go to the Netherlands, I have this impression that it's like a country and a society that is like um, two decades ahead of everywhere else in the world in terms of uh, human development, so? economical development. And that's, that's... Why do you think so? Uh, man, because shit just worked there. <laughs> Things work in the Netherlands very well. I feel people, people get to... They are professional. They get to do what they want. Um, every every like, uh, public service works perfectly. Um, mm. everything is nice and organized and clean and um, people are tall and I, I get your point yeah it's also <laughs> sometimes a bit too bureaucratic yeah it is it is when you compare it to other countries like uh, it's a big of a hassle to really uh, build up a project from the ground up from, from scratch but it's a bureaucracy that makes things possible like Portugal is not so bureaucratic but because of this lack of like legal organization and on resources is very hard to make things happen here and in the netherlands it feels like it's the opposite there's a lot of paperwork shit a lot of uh, yeah. uh, legal like legalities or stuff like this yeah for sure but uh but but i i agree like things things and public services are well established here and if you really want to uh build something up and you, you you have a good idea and write a plan, like a business case about it. You can really, uh, yeah, get get shit done. Yeah, for sure. Even though it can take a couple of years, like uh, like the parkour gym we have. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I still that's how have, it goes, like, I guess. Netherlands maybe has the the biggest amount of parkour gyms per biggest density of parkour per, gyms per, per square per, kilometer per capita. or per capita. Um, yeah, I, I could be. Could be. Could be. Could be. It's very possible. And then yeah. th this is this um, the thing. If it if there is the place where you like you're one step ahead of the rest of the road or two steps ahead to the rest of the road, isn't that going going to be closer to the parkour future, the global parkour future too? And we are actually turning to gymnastics. Mm. In what way? <laughs> like, what are you referring to uh, exactly? Um, because like, if the Netherlands... That, 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 that gymnastics and parkour are more merging because of the, the gym culture there? No, 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 in general. So, if the Netherlands is a place that is like um, ahead of the time comparing to the rest of the road, and there you live a road where... Um, for example, the parkour, the most official parkour coaching certificate is actually mm -hmm. owned by the Gymnastics Federation. And yeah. parkour doesn't, it's not called parkour, it's called free running. <laughs> the people yeah. don't call it parkour there and it's very rare. Um, yeah. Is that going True. to be the future of parkour in the rest of the road too? I don't think so. I don't think... Uh this is like an example for other countries or that we are like um, giving others a direction of what they should go into, I think. Like, what do you think? You think like, no. in terms of the coaching certificates and stuff, stuff like that, I think it's how things are arranged in the country here in the Netherlands. But I don't think that's that's the way it will go in every country, I think. People can decide for that themselves in the, those countries. Yeah, it's happening in Portugal right now, actually. So there is this uh, group of people called Parkour Byline Team. Yeah. And it's around three or four coaches. They have some schools already in the Lisbon area. They have um, almost um, 200 students right now. Mm. They are doing quite well because they are also a very young um, company, association and they do not have their own space and they just teach like in school gyms and stuff like this and they are all like highly educated coaches uh, two of them are like sports scientists graduated in university and stuff so okay. they went to the portuguese sports association recently to mm -hmm. try to officialize their parkour coaching in their schools 
in order to give diplomas to students and to be able to train new coaches. And it was not possible because now parkour is a gymnastics modality. Mm. And this is already happening. Yeah, that's fucked up. This is already happening. And people, people say, oh, no, it's not going to happen. But it is happening. And the parkour gymnastics, no, and the Gymnastics Association of Portugal, they are giving now parkour certificates for judging first. Competition oh, really? judging. This is really crazy. What the fuck? But do you think that's because of the influence of FIC? It is, of course. It is. Uh, yeah, it is. It is. Is the 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 Portuguese Gymnastics Federation is part of mm. FIG of the Global Federation. Yeah. And they are trying really hard now. These boys from Parkour by Lighting, they're really trying to to get the certificate outside of the Gymnastics Federation. But it seems like it's not going to be easy because gymnastics has so much power here. Yeah, that's we talked about that a lot about the influence of FIC and uh, about what you do and the vision about uh, with Parkour Earth and uh, their vision on how to change that to establish our own governing bodies for uh, for giving a worldwide direction to what Parkour should be. And I think we are able to change that as a global community, but it's just hard to compete with a big organization like, like FIC. But I think it's possible if we acknowledge what's going on and really want to change things for the better to really establish our own sport in a way and not merge with gymnastics and their philosophy of how it should uh, yeah how it yeah. should look like yeah we have to stick together i feel like people don't understand the urgency of what's going people are not uh, willing to really inform themselves about the topic which i don't judge them for because it's either something you're interested in or not, I guess. And many people just want to train and are like, yeah, fuck the politics behind it. True, on, on the one hand, but on the other hand, it's also an important topic that will influence how parkour will look like years from now. And yeah. it might influence you yeah. as an individual <laughs> as well. Yeah, and pe a, lot of, a lot of new athletes, they, they go to the competitions thinking that this is um, a career path that is sustainable. And... It is mm. right. So it's a, it's a way for them to make a living right now. So you go to a yeah, we saw that in, uh, in Sofia when we were there, right, with the World Cup. Yeah. Um, and and so you have these guys from everywhere in the world going to the gymnastics parkour competition, and they take this as the the way they can make a living with parkour. Mm -hmm. But it's like. I feel like this is like a, a shortcut, a short, you know, short term thinking. Yeah, short term thinking. Yeah, because it, it can happen. So parkour people can work for the Gymnastics Federation right now and um, get like the athlete statu status. So you can have lower grades to get into better universities, for example, <laughs> stuff like this or skip classes <laughs> or have uh, health insurance. But it's it's something that can also happen with the parkour federation it just takes time and it's really sad to understand like to make no it's not sad it is like a, it's hard to understand that we are the generation that has to make the sacrifice for the future we have to put on the work right now right um, for sure but i think uh the work will be uh you will have to put in the work years from now as well to really Keep it growing in an organic way without other people trying to take what you build up i guess so yeah of course now we are on a global scale when it comes to parkour going through some hard times i guess to really prove that we can have their, our own governing bodies and our own culture without other organizations trying to decide what it should look like yeah but but i think 10 years from now that that might also be a thing as there will always be people and or, or other third parties who want to take a cut of something. Yeah. You know, and yeah, yeah, it's true. But now we're in a very vulnerable position, right? Because we're very popular. There's a lot of possibility for wealth and for a big industry to come. Mm. And we have no like organization, formal federations and stuff like that yet. 
who are big enough to compete against some cooperative giants like the Gymnastics Federation. So it's yeah, now we I are agree. the easy prey. We are so much the easy prey. And yeah, yeah. there are so many people that love parkour and who want to do parkour for a living. And that's the way they can. That makes us even a easier prey <laughs> because people for sure. just go for it. Because there are hundreds, thousands of people who would be willing to, like, if it would be possible to sign a contract right now for fake, if they would offer them some stable income, you know, and maybe you can't blame them for that if as many of them come yeah, from we can't like we can't blame poverty them. And, we can't blame yeah them. you can't you can't i don't judge like i'm just trying to understand both parties and uh analyze what's going on observe for my own opinions about it so. yeah i get it. um i'm not the one who should advise people on uh, what they should do <laughs> and what choices they should make oh ah, but you can you can you can always say what you feel, think is the best for you yeah and and i will and i've always done that i'm quite outspoken when it comes to that and people might be offended sometimes but yeah i'm willing to go into discussion with people about it. yeah yeah it's it's so it's i think it's important too because um i'm very afraid of the term judging people keep saying mm. stop judging other people and and i understand criticism or sometimes you you really give some negative um talks to people and they will not interpret this as you're trying to help or mm. sometimes it's completely unsolic unsolicited also you know it's, it's not like they want your opinion i actually i struggle a lot with it i think it's <laughs> maybe my biggest flaw is thinking that i have that uh what i that i have the right to tell people what to do I'm not entitled to tell people what to do. You yeah, know? but I, I know you quite well now. And I don't think you, you're you the person who wants to tell people what to do. You just have a strong opinion and you think you should inform people with your opinion to form a better opinion themselves. So that's, I think, something you want to do and not try to tell them what to do in a way. Cool. Yeah. You get me? Um, but the thing about it, about this... First of all, because it is a dick move to be telling people what to do. I want to change this. I try my best. Uh, I even go to therapy to uh, discuss my flaws. <laughs> I recommend people. But the thing is, I, I actually, I, I personally lost friends because of one specific topic. I lost like five friends. Of course, then then we got back in, in contact, in touch. But for for a while... And there's, there's one that I won't say the name, but there's one that still doesn't like to talk to me because I was mm -hmm. telling this person, um, maybe you should try to stop smoking weed because as you can see, it's not helping you in like um, getting better in your personal struggles. Just give it a try. And yeah, I have no contact with this person anymore. And I lost like, like other five friends for telling them, look, I used to smoke when I was in the early 20s and I stopped. And my life has never been better as um, after I took this decision. And it's something that it's so ingrained in the parkour community. It is. It is. It's like the amount of, like, it seems like it's, it's a norm. If, for you to be cool in the community, you need to smoke, <laughs> you know? Um, and I feel like it's, it's so personal because for some people it works really well and people can just live in a functional life with weed but to a lot of people also it doesn't really work um, we had this conversation before and i want to know your opinion on uh, parkour and weed about parkour and weed okay interesting um so yeah i agree i think many parkour athletes uh smoke a lot of weed so we're not talking about once a week with friends chilling uh at someone's place like just to relax on the weekend but like on a daily basis, many people do it. Um, I personally was never like that when I was 18, 19. I did it maybe once a week with friends for fun. So I never was in a period like, yeah, I'm really into smoking weed every day and stuff like that. So saying that, it's hard for me in the first place to understand why people would do that on a daily basis and really want to even train while smoking weed 
So it's hard for me to really form an opinion about that. But I don't think that's a long-term good yeah, solution in terms of how you want to live your life. Because you're just numbed down if you're high or stoned. You're like super numbed. You're not really aware of what you're feeling, how you're genuinely feeling in your emotions. And um, for many people who I know, training and smoking weed, they're numbed down half of their day, you know. So, of course, I would also tell them, like, is this really something you want to do or not? And it's up to them to decide. But is it toxic for me in a way? Like, yeah, I think they sh they can improve their lives a lot and the choices they make if they stop doing that. But I also have the philosophy that if the pain is not deep enough, a person is not going to change quickly. So I think, I believe in people really changing things around when they come to a point like, okay, till here and not further, it's enough. And I really don't want this to be part of my life anymore and then have the intrinsic motivation to change things around. And I think many of those people just don't have that. They they like it. They're like high stoned uh, every day and they just enjoy it. So they don't see an they don't see a reason to change that. That's what I think. But but is that really something you want to do almost every day in your 20s and your 30s and keep that going on like that? I don't know. I think it holds you back from a lot of uh, choices you make and a lot of improvements you can make in life outside of parkour. Because if you're a pro athlete, for example, I won't say any names, but we both know those people like they smoke every day and... What they do is they train, they come home and they smoke and hang out. Like if you earn your money with that at that moment, it's fine. It's a lifestyle you can live. But maybe in five years time, it will be different. And I believe in improving yourself as a person on a daily basis. And it really holds you back from that. Yeah, I saw this on the, everyone saw it, on uh, Joe Rogan's um, podcast with Elon Musk. Uh, which, which one? Uh, I don't. I don't really love Elon Musk, but he said something that I really like. He said that um, weed is the opposite of coffee, <laughs> and yeah, that's that's pretty much the opinion that I have. Um, even more after is stop smoking, uh, stopping smoke, st smoking stopping, <laughs> uh, was the fact that um, it really it, it really feels like the opposite of coffee. And for me now nowadays, it got to a point that. Um, it is so common in the parkour community that there are some circles of, of friends and like environments that I avoid going because I feel uncomfortable with everyone being like high and weird <laughs> and slow. Same. And yeah, I want same. to do stuff, I want to train, but it just will uh, end up being a circle of smoking yeah, yeah, yeah. and not doing a lot and I don't I'm not crucifying anyone because there's so many people who smoke and they can do very well with with it and be very functional but mm -hmm. in general like yeah, the lifestyle sure, sure. that you choose by uh, smoking all day and not having the control or not ever being like sober I have I have friends who are never sober they wake up first thing they do is like coffee and joint and I'm like, do you remember the last yeah. time you were yeah. sober? <laughs> and for them, it's the normal way is just to be high. And the, it's kind of shocking to me because I was so scared about being high. Maybe they yeah. lack the self-awareness to change things around or they are not motivated enough to change things. Uh, yeah, not sure. But yeah, what you said, that's the reason I don't really go to parkour jams anymore as I don't feel like training with big groups of people, half of them, I don't know, doing nothing, like smoking weed. Uh, I don't know, it, it doesn't inspire me anymore, you know? I like to train with small groups of people. But for example, when I was in Lisbon last week with you, there was this national parkour jam going on and I really like to train with uh, the people there, really nice people. Lisbon really, Lisbon really starts to feel like a third home for me. I've visited three times now in eight months I think it's I really love it it's great and uh, I think the community is also uh, really passionate about it and really into it yeah it was great the, this gem was really like props once again parkour by 19 yeah 
props shout, for the organizing. Shout out to them for sure. Yeah, it was really good. And also one thing that is important that I would like to tell people, <laughs> the listeners, if you're still here, um, is not because like I quit smoking or that I don't like smoking, that it, it should make me like a, make us like a boring person or anti-marijuana or anti-weed mm -hmm. or anything like this. It, it's, it's not that. I feel like It, it should be clear that I, like, I, I don't have anything against smoke. I, I would smoke if I feel great in, a, in the moment that like, this is just perfect. I had a full day, very productive. Now I can just uh, put my brain into numbness. <laughs> mm -hmm. I would do this, but I just, it just hasn't come yet this moment in the last maybe five years. It just is not happening. Um, It's not like being against weed or anything. is is more about the lifestyle. So do you, do you think we're uh, biased because we both don't enjoy smoking weed anymore and uh, like it doesn't give us that calm and uh, relaxation relaxational feeling that it gives many people. So do you think maybe we're biased? Because I think, of course, we're always biased with with our opinions. But I feel like the the what gives um, our opinion value which is actually what gives any opinion value is the fact that we have our own experiences and in both our cases we smoked before we stopped smoking and we grew out of it and um, I, I smoked a little before like occasionally I smoked regularly every day I was never like a morning smoker, even though I, I did smoke early in the morning or when I was in like in a jam or in a festival or something like this. Um, so I've, I had the experience. I enjoyed smoking. I had really good times smoking. I also had bad times mm. that I became paranoid and yeah. stuff like that. And, and now I stopped smoking and my brain has never been so sharp and like sleeping is the best. Um, I don't have the need. I don't feel like I need to smoke at all. I feel like if I would smoke, yeah, I would same, just waste same. a few hours of same. my day. I'm now more like on a sober lifestyle. Really want to check how I feel like um, while being sober, not needing any external, uh, uh, yeah, external tool, whatever. I forgot about the right word. Like not an external thing that elevates my mood and just be happy because you feel happy at that moment. That's uh, that's uh, something I want to go through now and experiment with. So I also quit alcohol due to that. And again, I don't judge people who drink alcohol because I, I drank a lot of alcohol in my life. Um, but it's something I want to experiment with, see <laughs> how, whether that's a lifestyle that suits me. I have some friends that quit with it and say they feel much better and happier on a daily basis since they quit. So uh, yeah, let's see. I'm not saying now I would never drink again, but yeah. Yeah, that's cool. if, for example, after six or 12 months, I feel like I feel way better and I don't miss it at all. I don't see any reason that I would drink again. We'll see. Yeah. But it was nice to experiment before going to Lisbon. Because uh, I... St I <laughs> yes, because you were sober yeah, we, here the whole time. Yeah, we went and to such the city a, party a couple city. of times. And, uh, <laughs> being sober, it was a nice challenge, but I... I didn't experience it as super hard to not drink, so that was good. It was nice. Yeah, I I'm trying to find balance, most yeah. of all. Uh, because I drink, and I drink a lot on my early twenties, and nowadays I still drink regularly, but not in the same mm -hmm. amount. But it's something that I learned and I try to practice is going out and having a few drinks only and then coming back home before you get drunk and stupid. Yeah, <laughs> no. exactly. Um, and also not, not drinking every week even or every like month. Having some breaks is, I think is good. Having complete control. For sure. But it's so socially accepted alcohol that it's, it's scary. It is. It? it is like uh, it, advertisements everywhere. And uh, if I now explain at people at work for example that i on a friday afternoon that i don't join with a beard they're like wow really like what's going on 
Are you right? Are you, you taking antibiotics? Like the, the first reaction is not, ah, nice, man. Uh, going through a, a nice lifestyle change or a healthy choice. It's more like, like they feel like offended in a way. Ah, is he going to judge me that I am drinking a beer right now? Like, no, just chill, you know. Uh, everybody is making their own decisions and uh, let's accept everybody how they are and what they want to do. Yeah, and it's so normal, the the after work beer, the evening uh, glass of wine with food. And yeah. All we're doing is, just, yeah. Yeah, of course, drinking is nice because you get like a less shy and more talkative and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, for sure. But it's also it's poison, you know, <laughs> isn't it poison? It is like, but it's also uh, what you're referring to becoming a bit more loose less shy, uh, more talkative. It's something I want to get better at while sober and not being dependent on it. Uh, yes. That's after great. a few drinks, you know? Yes, that's great. And I think the same applies to, to weed. You, you should be able to calm yourself down and relax and yeah. uh, be more creative yeah, yeah. or anything without having to put uh, something mm -hmm. in your body. But if you like yeah, to do sure. it, to just go ahead and do it. <laughs> just do of your course. thing, of course. Mm. All right, Kevin, let's do a TikTok. You ready? Really let's go. quick. Coffee or tea? Uh, phew, both, but in the morning, definitely a coffee. <laughs> Beer or wine? Ah, don't do this. Now. <laughs> no, but before, when I used to drink, yeah, I think a beer. Yeah. Yamakazi or B13? Yamakazi. David Bell or Sebastian Fukan? Fukan. Ashigaru or GFAM? I think Ashigaru. I've, I follow them more in my life. I'm, I'm more aware of what they are doing and what they've done, so... World Chase Tag or Skills Competition? Oh, so I think... Uh, well, Chase Tech is more like entertainment. I participated in, uh, in I participated in it myself once, and I like doing it. I have nothing against it, but I don't think it's like pure parkour. It's more like something you can really practice without being super good at parkour. So I think skill comp for really uh, the parkour hats, like the street rats, will Chase Tech more in an entertainment way, I guess. Chocolate or cookies? Mm, cookies. Gymnastics or martial arts? Martial arts, for sure. I'm also a big UFC fan. <laughs> so uh, I think if I wouldn't do parkour, uh, I would have done MMA. It always intrigued me. And Ilabaka or Vorslav? Ooh, that's hard. Because from my Bulgarian side, we had a lot of Vorslav influence. Mm -hmm. And that's also one of the reasons, yeah, when I got into parkour that really inspired me those first videos of him. But I think as a general athlete, I would say Elebaka is what he did back in the days. It was insane, like the level he was at. Nice. Thank you very much. Um, actually, Sergio from Lighting, he sent us a video uh -huh. yesterday like just a short clip from uh, maybe 2010 or 8 video and uh, it's just uh, Ilabaka doing a wall side flip uh -huh. and he said uh, Sergio from my team he said I'm gonna unblock a memory from you check out this wall side and look at this beautiful wall side flip look yeah, man. wow. <laughs> is that a straight wall? It's a straight wall outside concrete. Um, Bricky wall. 2010. 2010. Look at this beautiful wall side flip once again. Come on, play. Look. Oh, my. Wow, so, so, so high. So high. I don't know which yeah. video that is exactly, but it's one wall side flip that Ilabaka does with someone else at the same time. And then there's two people, like Max Rohan sitting and Phil Doyle sitting by uh, leaning on the wall. So if you remember Crazy. the name of this video, uh, let me know, hit me up. <laughs> but it's such a... But you also did some crazy stuff in 2010. Yeah, but we changed, right? <laughs> 
There are phases. You, did you have different yeah. phases in parkour too? Um, in the way of movement, yeah. Like I said, when I was younger, I was more lightweight. Now I'm heavyweight and I found my way in it. But yeah, yeah, for sure. But I still think I'm progressing as an athlete. Yeah, yeah, come on. On the parkour side, I'm not focused on flips and tricks anymore. I never really was into it, but now I just focus on parkour and I think I can do some bigger jumps in the future than I can do now. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm very confused on how people like Nate Weston can still be so fucking good at flips and still do it so fucking well after over a decade of being great at it and still mm. strong. Because uh, I felt like if I would keep on practicing flips, I would not be able to train. I would be always stopped by injuries and it, it just felt natural. Yeah, maybe it's too. a way how your body gets used to impact, like Don Tomato. Like you could argue, of course, that's not good for your joints. He's taking too much impact, but in a way, his body, on the other hand, also handles the impact. Yeah, cause, adapts. Yeah, he gets injured from time to time, but I don't think because of the big drops, more because of some bills. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But it's interesting to see examples like that and how that will uh, evolve in the future when they're like 35, 40 years old. Mm -hmm. How their body will uh, will cope with stuff yeah. like that. It will hurt. It will hurt. Show, <laughs> show me, I think so too. Show me the, the kitten. You got one yesterday, oh, yeah, right? Wait. She, is she here? She's sleeping now. She's super cute. But yeah, she is how old scared. Is she? She's two months only. And uh, oh, wow. we, we got... Um, I'm going to leave her sleeping. Sorry, bro. If she wakes yeah, up, no I'll pick her up. Um, I saw her super cute yeah, picture. Yeah, man. Because, well, she, she came from... Uh, her mom had uh, four babies. And they're all really pretty. And they're all very different. You have like fully black, fully white. That normal tiger one. And um, Chickpea is the name that uh, me and Fing decided to give her. Um, chickpea? Chickpea. How, how so? I don't know. It was nice. Chickpea is cute, no? It's cute. We can call her Pea chickpea. or Chick or Chicky or Chickpea. Um, You're chicken. <laughs> um, yeah. She's all mixed, you know? She's, she really looks like a street cat. She's yellow, black and white and she's very pretty. It's the first time I have mm -hmm. a, a cat. Let's see how it will go. My my girlfriend uh, forced. They me just to have like to get it. used to you, I think. <laughs> yes, yeah, she's cute. She's an explorer. She's walking around, jumping around everywhere and stuff. Is she scratching the couch? Yeah, she is. We need to get a couch mm. cover. But on the other hand, I'm also in a. Well, it is what it is. This is just a couch, yeah. and the cat is also gonna live with me for maybe 15 years, hopefully more even. And so it's yeah. just better that the couch is destroyed and the cat's happy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what you're gonna do today? What is your plan for the weekend? Um, I'm gonna train a bit. I have a music festival in Amsterdam in the afternoon and in the evening. Which festival is it? Uh, Chin Chin. It's like all kinds of music. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard of it. No. Uh, yeah, it's like all kinds of different music. Some friends uh, ask whether I want to join. I'm like, sure, let's go. <laughs> And tomorrow there's a calisthenics event here in Utrecht. Um, yeah, I also do calisthenics as a substitute for gym. And I do some tricks sometimes on the bar. So I'm also a bit engaged in that community. So I'll take a look there. Sounds nice. You? Um, well, today I have to get some more cat stuff. And mm. <laughs> I hope to train a little bit in the afternoon. Uh, it's very yeah, nice great. and warm here. It's really beautiful weather. It's uh, very cool. Yeah, here, here it's great as well. Yeah, so I think. But I also, I already feel like going back to Lisbon. It's like <laughs> different training vibe. I'm way more ma motivated to do some street parkour stuff than uh, than here. Yeah. yeah, the weather is nice, and also because it's fresh spots, it's yeah. always really nice to yeah, train. Yeah, of course. In spots you don't go, I I really feel like going somewhere else to train. Because uh, now for me to leave home to train, it's always a struggle. Where should I go? I'm much more in the... 
undecisive because too many spots. Not too many spots, but too many years, man. It's 16 uh -huh. years that I've been practicing these spots here mm. in Lisbon. And I don't have a car, so I have to go to like a little bit specific places. Um, but I, I enjoy very much. Uh, I used to say with Salgado that it's like going for a walk. So you just go for a walk and you find like wild, unique challenges instead of just going to a spot and practicing there. Yeah. You just walk around and like, oh, look, yeah. you see a possibility. I do that from time to time still with an old school guy in Eindhoven. Uh, yeah, everywhere I go, still looking around for spots. I'm like, I don't know if <laughs> yeah. that ever goes away. Yeah, I don't think it will ever go away. Anyways, thank you very much, Kevin. It was a pleasure having you here, bro. Yeah, thank you, man. Hope to see I you hope soon. You again. Have a nice day. Yes, yes, for sure. We meet soon. Um, thank you and bye bye. All right, see you. Bye. Thank you for listening this far. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you're interested in joining Parkworth and being part of the ambassador team, please hit me up. I hope you are doing well and enjoying summer or winter wherever you are. And I will see you soon. Hope so. Ciao, ciao.